morning and welcome friends, fans, and colleagues. Uh, this is Karen Tate and it's Wednesday. Uh, so as you can always count on, uh, we are here. This is Voices of the Sacred Feminine Radio. And uh, to start off the show, uh, that was a little snippet uh, from the UK uh, musical group called Be Optimistic. Uh, I think that's something we all need to do right now. And the song was Maria in honor of the goddess Mary. So um, I guess I want to start off the show by thanking those of you who have reached out to me um, and said uh, with all the insanity in the news uh, and you're so tired of hearing it all on television, uh, many of you have actually turned to the show uh, and have been dipping into the archives, uh, you know, to sort of distract yourself uh, from everything happening out there. And I want to thank you for that feedback. Uh, you can count on me being here every week. Uh, I am going to continue to do uh, my specials uh, that I started this year f- uh, from my book, uh, Goddess Calling. Uh, this can be your sanctuary, and I invite you to do that. You know, I've been here on the air for uh, 13 years, and uh, there's lots there in the archives, and very, very, very little of it is dated. Uh, it's all still relevant uh, because it's about changing the world, and uh, we certainly haven't accomplished that yet. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, probably like many of you, um, I am uh, self-isolating. And about a year ago when life changed for us, I wondered why. Why is all of this happening? Um, and I wonder now if I have my reason. You know, maybe a goddess was uh, isolating us here up in the mountains to keep us safe. Um, I mean, who am I to question that? You know, if you're like me, you maybe vacillate uh, on goddess. You know, is she deity? Is she archetype? Is she just ideal? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I go back and forth. Uh, some days I think she's all those things. Uh, and uh, anyway, if uh, she saw fit to self-isolate us out up here, uh, then, you know, who am I to, um, you know, fight against that? So uh, as I look out my window and look at the snow on the mountains, uh, because, yes, a few days ago we were down to 10 degrees here in California and we had 10 inches of snow, uh, the mountains are, are beautiful. They're covered with snow, uh, but not so much that we are um, you know, you know that that we are trapped inside of our houses. The roads are clear, uh, and uh, the mountains and trees are beautiful. And it's wonderful to go outside on the porch and take a deep breath, and thank Goddess for this gift. Um, in spite of everything we're all going through, I'm sure there's so many gifts we all have. Uh, maybe even this time that we're forced to be at home, uh, we can really look uh, as a gift. You know, uh, see the glasses half full. Uh, not half empty, um, you know, time to spend with your loved ones, time to do things, uh, special projects that you maybe just never had time to do. Maybe it's just reading that book uh, that you've been dying to get to or binge watch some movies. So think of this as a, you know, uh, a retreat, uh, a vacation, uh, if you will. Um, so that's that's the way I'm handling it. And, um um, you know, just, you know, be well, be safe, and uh, try to stay upbeat. 
Uh, so turning to today's show, um, I have back with me uh, Christine Page, and she has a new book out, uh, Heart of the Great Mother. Uh, she's going to give us some new insight. Uh, you know, many of us have been goddess advocates for decades, uh, but I think Christine uh, maybe has uh, a fresh approach uh, that um, she's going to share with us today. Um, uh, as I said, uh, she returns to the show uh, to discuss her new book, uh, Heart of the Great Mother, a Spiritual Initiation, Creativity and Rebirth, uh, teaching us new insight into the divine feminine. Uh, we'll delve into new realms in our chant, uh, in our chat. No, we're not chanting, we're chatting. Uh, for instance, uh, the location for the heart of the Great Mother. Which face of the triple goddess, maiden, mother, or crone, is hardest to embody? Uh, how the moon phases of our life affects our life's purpose, and why listening to the call of the virgin, mother, and crone is so important on our life's journey. Uh, she can also teach us about the love energy of the heart, uh, the geometric shape it takes, and why this shape acts as a portal into multidimensional worlds. Uh, you've maybe heard of the emerald tablets. Uh, if you're like me, you have, but uh, you haven't had time to research them a lot. Well, Christine uh, connects the dots between the tablets, alchemy, uh, and transformation in our own lives and what it has to do with the divine feminine. And uh, finally, if we have time, uh, Christine is going to suggest a new tool we might manifest to create a new reality. And I think she calls it our magician's wand. Uh, and, uh, you know, she'll tell us how to use it. So we have a lot to get to. Uh, Christine, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you, Karen. What a pleasure it is to be with you again and, and with your wonderful audience. I'm visualizing you well, out there with the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was tempted yesterday to go out and make snow angels, and then I thought, hmm, do I re really need to get all wet and damp? <laughs> no, we're really playing it safe these days, you know? <laughs> too true, too true. We're here in, in the high desert of Albuquerque in New Mexico and looking out on blue skies. We do that very well. And it's just listening to the birds. And I think all of what you've mentioned already is so important. It isn't about staying inside. If you can get out, if you're lucky enough to be in an area where you can walk, fresh air, sunshine, wonderful things for us. Nature is calling us. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, and one of the great things about so many people who are staying inside, you can go outside and be all alone <laughs> and not, uh, you know, not risk, uh, you know, coming into contact with folks, you know. So uh, anyway, you know, there's always, uh, you know, there's always a, a, a gift uh, in our challenges. You know, there's always uh, lemonade to be made of lemons, I guess. <laughs> so true. And this, this was a time that was predicted, whether or not uh, our audience understand that, but this is what everybody had predicted. I did a lot of work on around 2012 and the birth of the new world, and it was always said that these years would be years of confusion or chaos, but they were also years of new birth and, and, and really stepping into a future that we've all been waiting for. So we are the ones we've been waiting for. Well, you know, Christine, I have to say, um, it, it's been really, uh, you know, my mind has been in a really weird place, and um, I, I've almost 
felt like a fly on the wall, uh, as if I'm kind of not in the fray, but uh, but uh, separate as I watch this all unfold. And I can't help but feel like um, this is this is a a design, you know, a cosmic design to bring us to a better place later. And while it's painful every day, you know, this two, you know, one step forward, two step back. Uh, I mean, you know, we're seeing all sorts of things happen economically, politically. Um, you know, so many of us don't have confidence, you know, that we have leadership in the White House, all of that sort of stuff. But it feels like it's all necessary. And I don't know, have you felt like that? And, and if so, can you add, a, you know, give us any insight? Delighted to do that. I um, have been talking about this for a while. One of the, the keys to this is that we are moving into a more Aquarian way of living. We're not in the Aquarian age, even though we might think we are, but that doesn't matter. We are moving into an age where we are no longer looking for federal or central government, central funding even. And this is what I've been talking about, is everything's going to come back to the community. And I'm seeing that in, in, our, in my town, where we're saying, okay, that's happening in Washington, but what's happening here in Albuquerque? What do we need to do? And how do we meet the needs of our people, especially the basic needs, the, our children needing lunches, dinners, when we're shutting the schools? How do we meet the needs of the elderly who are maybe isolated? How do we make sure we don't get isolated just from our neighbors? And I think this is really the future of saying, how do we want to spend our money? How do we want to govern ourselves? And that is a new way when we perhaps have been a little bit more insular, such a, in a situation like this is causing us to become much more thoughtful of what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to be in community? And I think that sometimes we've, we can be busy working. We're like, oh, well, I'm so busy working, I haven't got a thought for anybody else. Well, now we're all meeting our families. We're in the house with them, and we're spending time with people that we may not have had such quality time for a long while. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, one of the things that I noticed immediately when Roy and I were kind of catapulted up here to the mountain totally unexpectedly um, was the difference in the attitude here on the mountain. I mean, he and I lived in Venice Beach for 30 years. We managed a big apartment complex. You know, the people oftentimes didn't even know the people who lived on the other side of the wall. You know, um, now up here in this community, and granted, I'm very liberal. In fact, the majority of people up here are probably not. Um, but you know what? Nobody's talking about politics. Uh, even before the coronavirus, uh, people up here had the sense that they had to depend on one another, so they didn't let politics, you know, get in the way. Because we're isolated up here. We're an hour from Bakersfield. We're an hour from um, a city called Santa Clarita, which is like a suburb of Los Angeles. You know, we're, we're kind of up here uh, on our own to a certain extent. You know, there's no movie theaters. There's not a doctor's office. Um, you know, we 
we really do have to sort of depend on one another. And I'll never forget, you know, the first week we were here and we got snowed in, a stranger came and knocked on the door and said, uh, you know, I can see you have a Prius and that car isn't going to drive on these roads. Here's my phone number. If you need anything, you call me. I'll go to the grocery store for you if you need me. You know, Christine, i got to tell you, that set the tone for me up here, and um, it blew me away. That would never have happened in a million years living in Venice. Uh, so I think you're so right, and, you know, maybe this virus is forcing us to get a taste of this because we forgot that this is what it's like to live in society. Oh, I so agree. <laughs> we moved out of uh, the Bay Area and God bless it, I love the Bay Area in San Francisco, but we met more neighbors in the first day we were here than we'd met in 15 years of being in the Bay Area. And all of them offering us the same sort of help. How can we help you? Here's some cookies, here's this. Again, this is the future where the new world that has been predicted for thousands of years would occur now is a world of unity through the, the acceptance of diversity. And it's exactly what you say. I don't care. I actually celebrate your diversity. But we are all one within that. And I, I see that happening. We all have a part to play. doesn't matter what our politics, our religion, our color, etc. It's about how do I support you to fulfill your destiny this life as a soul, as a beautiful being who has a unique gift to offer. Well, and, and think about this, too. You know, some people might say, but gee, uh, did it have to come to this? Um, you know, did we have to have so many challenges? Um, you know, did we have to have so many changes uh, for us to get to that place or for us to start to, you know, feel our way down that road? And, you know, and I think the answer is absolutely yes, because we were so entrenched and what we knew is normal. Um, I feel like we have um, turned a blind eye to abuse. We've turned a blind eye to exploitation. Um, you know, life uh, that we considered normal really had a lot wrong with it that we just sort of turned a blind eye to. And I think if we really were looking for change, we shouldn't have maybe been naive, I mean, myself too, you know, myself too, uh, you know, as, as I've been talking for years about changing the world, you know, the powers that be that have been entrenched, you know, they weren't going to give up easily. I mean, drastic things, I believe, really had to happen to shake loose um, the way things had been. I mean, does that make sense? Oh, perfect sense. You know, I'm, I've been a doctor for over 40 years. I've spent my life working with, in many fields, I don't practice now in a medical practice, I have a holistic practice. And I will tell you that I see illness as a messenger from the soul and that we know we will not give up on our past, on our old habits, until we're forced by this beautiful body of ours that says, enough, enough, I've put up with you, now we're going to change. So when you speak about abuse outside us, I see us abusing ourselves. I see us abandoning ourselves. 
we are really stubborn. And I think an illness like this, and it doesn't have to be the illness that you're, that's affecting any of us, but it's just circumstances. We take so much before we will change, and sometimes we all know that something big has to happen before we'll listen, and this is a time to listen. Absolutely. And and you believe that, um, you know, the empowerment of women across the world uh, is, is vital. I mean, um, we've, we've heard this before, you know. Uh, even the Dalai Lama said it would, you know, be women who might change the world. Uh, but, you know, he, he, I think, was thinking in terms of, you know, rich white women had access and, um, you know, had influence. Um, do you think it's more than that? Much more. So my teachings over the past few years has really focused on men and women are different. I know people want to tell me no world to say, we're not. I have breasts, I have a uterus, I have a vagina. I believe the great mother, what I call her the creative force, did not make a mistake by giving women certain things that men don't have and vice versa. And we are built in the image of the great mother. And it is women, as we all know, who are the birthers. Yes, we can do it in test tube. Yes, we can probably do it otherwise. But it's in our psyche to birth. And it's also in our psyche, and this is really one of my most important messages for everybody, is we have a rhythm for a reason. We follow the moon for a reason as women. We are not 24-7 individuals. And that one of our greatest gifts is actually helping the world to, or helping humanity, to clear old energy through our period or at the time of the dark moon, if you're postmenopausal. And it really is our clearing that we are so good at. And then when we do the clearing, we connect to what I call the grid underneath your feet, where all the energy is, all the creative inspiration is. And we then draw that up every month, whatever our age, and we give birth to a new dream. And I think this is women recognizing it's not about going out to the gym or doing anything else to become powerful. The power exists in our bodies, and we're to use our bodies to, to work through the cleansing, the connecting, and the inspiration that is unique to us. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, reconnecting to our right brain stuff, you know, that's sort of been um, shut off as we have been, I think, more left brain. Would that be another way to say it, you think? I, I think that's it, it's a way of saying it, but I'm really hoping that I'm getting the message across that if we would just pay attention to either the, the first three days of our period or to recognize that what we've been told that our period or having a uterus is just if you want babies, it's such, uh, so untrue. And we have been denied not only our intuitive knowing, but also the fact that we have any value in what we do every month. And that's what I'm wanting to make sure that we realize when when we just pay attention to what am I letting go of this month, what am I releasing this month, we're not only releasing that for ourselves but for our families and also for the world itself. 
I, I get it. I get it. Um, so uh, tell me, what do you understand to be the location for the heart of the Great Mother? Well, I, it's truly a – it isn't – well, let me say it this way. We like to see things in a linear manner, so it's out there. But truly, when we tap into our own heart, we tap into the heart of Mother Earth, we tap into the heart of the sun, we tap into the heart of the galaxy, we tap into what they call the central sun of the central sun. But in many ways, I'd say the heart of the Great Mother lives inside you already. It's just to come back to your heart. Okay. And I know you write uh, in depth about uh, embracing the three faces of the triple goddess, uh, maiden mother and crone or virgin mother and crone. Now, you know, the, the new trend for that is to, bend, to insert in there uh, queen, uh, you know, so it would be maiden mother, queen and crone. But, um, but tell us your outlook on that. Um, you know, uh, how, do, how do we go beyond what we've heard all of these years uh, about the triple goddess? And does the queen fit in there for you? Truly, Karen, I have heard all of this, the putting the queen in, the matriarch, not using the word crone. When I ask my question is, which phase do we have most difficulty with? It is the crone. And I feel this is our most powerful phase she is most powerful in the times of the dark moon. She is most powerful during a period. She is most powerful in darkness. But she is also the one that we as women have the greatest difficulty because we know if, you, if one believes in other lives or even in ways, we can also abuse that power. It's a power of seduction. It's a power of, of destruction. It's a power of changing what's been happening, but it's exactly what's happening in the world today. I don't see the crone as negative. I see the crone as she loves us so much she will ne not let us be less than we are. She tears the meat off the bones, tears away our old stories so we become naked and can from that place be reborn. Hmm. It 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 you know it, it makes me think of the expression uh, tough love in a way, um, you know uh, where the you know the maiden is um, you know the bright new beginnings the mother is the giver 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 the uh, you know person who creates new life, but it's like it's it's the crone um, you know who's been marginalized in patriarchal society you know she's not beautiful and sexy anymore she's not giving 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 till she can't give anymore like the mother. Uh, the unhealthy uh, mother tends to do, uh, but now it's like um, I, I don't know. She she calls us to put aside those things and maybe um, dig deeper. Would it, it, it is that um, I, I don't know. Do you think I'm understanding that the way you're seeing it, or am I missing something? I think we're both on exactly the same page there. And it is the marginalization. I know that's why I keep talking about the moon or the period. But if we think about what the patriarchy did, they suppressed periods. They said this was the curse or they suppressed the darkness. They got rid of any of the blood mysteries, which is really what the crone is about. 
And if you think of the Christian church, they spoke about the Virgin Mary, the Mother Mary, and then they got rid of the crone Mary, who was Mary Magdalene. And that happened across, across history, as you know. I mean, you've done all the work on this. Is that every time it came to the crone, oh, we're not going to talk about her. But she exists inside us all. And she, as I say, isn't, she's winter. She is, she's the part that says, I need to go inside and literally reconnect to who I am, root myself into the source of all energy in order to bring springtime forward. Well, and, and, you know, you're making me think now, um, you know, and this is, you know, no criticism or denial of any of the women out there who've inserted the queen, um, but maybe we've inserted the queen because we haven't fully understood the crone. Um, I mean, because the queen is sort of like the queen of her realm. She looks over her 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 world, her people, her domain, and she's kind of a you know benevolent dictator in a way, if you will. You know, she takes care of things, but she's tough. She uses all of her life experience to make good decisions, even sometimes if those decisions are hard. She, you know, she challenges us. I, I'm almost wondering if. Um, that role we've given the queen isn't the the crone's role because we've we've maybe marginalized the crone ourselves. That's such a great point. And please, to just we all need to keep remembering: three is the magic number of creativity. Three is the magic number of women. Why we wake at three o'clock in the morning? Because we're least connected to the physical world. That's the power of the feminine. So when we put a fourth image in, we're back to masculine again. And so that's why I love when people either put the queen or the matriarch in. It's like you're now moved into a masculine role. And in our inner being, so I'm masculine and feminine as is everybody, it's my masculine who's terrified of my crone. And that's what men are. Men are terrified of the crone because she doesn't say, hey, would this be okay if I just transformed your life? She comes in and does it. And she doesn't care if you were saying, well, hang on a minute, I was halfway through that. She says, time for this to happen. I'm not going to give you reasons. It's in the divine flow. Get ready. It's happening now. And that's what we've got at this present time. Right, right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right there because um, I have to say I've sort of felt myself, you know, in my own shortcomings of uh, anal- analyzing, I guess, I sort of embrace the idea of the queen and not realizing that maybe in doing so uh, I was taking away from the crown, you know, uh, not realizing that uh, uh, the queen was really an aspect of, of the crown. Um, mm. Christine, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, uh, and we're going to be back. Um, but for listeners, um, here's a clip from the trailer for Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, stick with us during that, uh, because when we come back, I'm going to talk to Christine about um, how the moon phases of our birth and our lunar nodes influence our life's purpose. 
um, and maybe we'll get her to explain why the moon plays such a role in our life, you know, beyond the stuff that, um, uh, you know, we might think we know already. But, uh, again, here's a clip from the trailer for Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. Hello, let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot in sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example... The info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. Dancing with Gaia is available only at dancingwithgaia.com. Okay, so if you have uh, just tuned in, uh, I'm with Christine Page, and she has a new book out, Heart of the Great Mother, and uh, she's doing a very valuable thing today. I think she's giving us uh, fresh information, even for those of us who uh, have been uh, goddess advocates for years, uh, maybe helping us understand some things we've missed, uh, or maybe we've thought about uh, incorrectly, or maybe our, you know, our thinking has to evolve. Um, so, uh, Christine, uh, I wanted to talk more about the uh, the moon phase and uh, you know how it affects our birth. I mean, we all know about uh, you know getting our chart done and you know and stuff like that. But um, you know, tell us you know tell us what we don't know about that. What have we what have we missed, perhaps? So I love astrology, I always have, and I was very interested to, when I learned about the moon phases from Demeter George, actually, who talked about them, and understanding that the time of the month that we're born, i.e. the distance between the sun and the moon, will influence our journey on this earth. So I was born 
just well after the full moon and if i look at the degrees which is what i write into my my um into my book but also you can get it on an astrology chart i see that i was born at a time which is called the disseminating moon and the disseminating moon means that i'm here to share information and it's exactly what i do if you're born just after the new moon so in the first days where your moon is just a little distance from the sun, it means you're someone who loves new ideas, who learns through instant experiences. You do something, you go, oh, I'll do it again. There's not much uh, past wisdom. It doesn't mean you're not a wise individual. It's you're very spontaneous, and that's lovely. So what I would recommend everybody to do is if you've had a chart done, look at the distance between where the sun was and how far around the moon had traveled before when, when you were born. And if you've got an astrologer, they'll be able to tell you exactly the degrees or be able to tell you exactly what type of moon you have. There are eight different phases. Okay, um, and uh, would it be of any use to mention those eight phases, or unless someone had, uh, uh, you know, been able to check their chart, probably the best thing to do is to check your chart and look in your book, I guess. I would suggest that because I can go through, but I think that I can just talk about that very briefly if that's okay with you, um, and then at least you've got some ideas there. And so if we imagine that there's a new moon, and I, I want to say that the new moon is the most powerful time for women, not the full moon. The full moon is an expression of our masculine. So if you understand the phases of the moon, it begins with the darkness, the three days of darkness, which is, you know, you look out into the sky and you can't see a moon. That's the three dark moon days. And on the third day of the three dark moon days is the day when we're inspired. It's a great time to meditate and to say, what shall I give birth to? So in the same way, these phases of the moon will show this up. So if you were born just after the new moon, as I say, you're one of these new moon phase children who is like, yay, what should we do? Let's new ideas, spontaneity. That's a, and that happens, and I've got the, my own book here, so it's about three and a half days after the new moon that that will be you. If you were then born with your moon three and a half days to seven days from the new moon, you're what we call a crescent moon phase, which is a time where you actually are putting down your roots, you're trying to say, well, who am I? And it's so interesting when I'm doing readings, intuitive readings, that I look at someone who's got a crescent moon phase and I see them and they're saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to leave behind my family. I don't know if I've got enough strength. And that's like a little flower trying to push up against, away from the family to have a strong um, stem. So you say, yes, I can do this. And then there's the first quarter phase. And this is the time when you really are stepping out on your own. And you're going to look at old beliefs that your family have carried and say, I don't believe that anymore. You're developing stronger inner roots. Then there's the, what we call the waxing gibbous moon phase. This is a time where you're just about to come to the full moon. You're just about to shine. You're just about to succeed. And you find all the excuses in the world why you're not going to do it. I know a lot of people, including myself, like that. I could do, but if circumstances were different, it would be good. 
full moon phase, and this is when it's opposite, the moon and the sun are opposite, this is the time for you to say, I'm here to shine. And if you're a full moon person, you were born at the full time of the full moon, don't hide behind someone else. Be yourself. Shine. Then after the full moon, three and a half days after the full moon, this is this disseminating moon phase I talked about that I am. Share what you know. Be the networker. Get your information out there. But you have to walk your talk and not be a false prophet. The third, next one is the third quarter moon phase. And this, we're coming towards the new moon again. And this is a time where you really just want to say, what do I want to let go of? What is no longer valuable? And that's a time not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but say, what do I want and what don't I want? And then finally, the balsamic moon phase. This is a difficult phase when I meet people who were born just before the new moon. This is a phase where you're always feeling out of step with everybody else because they seem you, you come from the future. You're bringing new ideas, and nobody seems to be in alignment with you. So what's so important as a balsamic moon is to find people who you can pass your message to and feel that you've done a good by setting someone off into these futuristic ideas. How does that sound? Hmm. You know, that's, an, that's really intriguing. Um, so I, I just want to make sure I understand. Uh, understand what you're saying. So you think we fall into one of those categories and that's what we play out for most of our lives? I mean, uh, I think that's what you're saying. You're, not that we go through this phase and we hit each one. You're saying we tend to fall into one of these categories and that's the role we play for this lifetime. Thank you for clarifying that. Exactly, Karen. This is why I think it's so important to know what our phase is. And, you know, what was also interesting that as a doctor, we found that if you are not getting pregnant, there's a chance you'll get pregnant at a time which is your phase. So let's say you were born uh, with a new moon phase. You might actually get pregnant really right at the, in that new moon phase, not when we usually think you'll get pregnant, which is at ovulation. So I'm just throwing that one in as well. It, it seems to influence our physicality and our physiological self as well. So, yes, even though all those phases happen every month and they're fun to watch us move through those phases, what I've been describing is what is your particular phase which you will live by for the, all your life. Well, I am definitely going to go to my astrologer person who did my chart and find out because I would be willing to bet I am either with you right there at the disseminating moon because I feel like for the last 30 years that's what I've been doing, disseminating information. But yet that last phase, I think you called it the balsamic moon. Balsamic, I've often yes. felt like I, I, I've often felt like I'm out there with my peak you know, pink-handled machete, the fringe of the fringe, kind of um, forging a new path and, you know, saying to other people, come on, come on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be willing to bet I'm, I'm one, of, one of those two, but now I have to find out. 
so, uh, so Christine, let's let's go on to alchemy and the emerald tablets. Um, I would imagine most of us, uh, when we hear alchemy, if we haven't done a lot of research, you know, we kind of just go, oh, that's that. Uh, uh, that thing that people used to do ages ago uh, where they thought they could transform um, other substances into gold. Um, and if that's all we know about it, I think we're maybe kind of missing the boat, right? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about alchemy and how it fits in with the emerald tablets and um, why we should, why we need to know about this? Yes, indeed. So uh, alchemy is called all chemistry. So it's almost like knowing yourself in your wholeness. So for me, man know thyself, becoming whole is the key to alchemy. And yes, it is often described as taking a base metal and making it gold, but it's actually taking our base ignorance and making us enlightened. So it is the journey of enlightenment, if you want to say that, the journey towards wholeness. And the emerald tablet was said to have been 12 or one tablet, depending on what you read, which literally had, was emerald, and it had been engraved with thinking, with literally using a laser-like beam of light from someone's forehead. And the, these were really the, the ways in which humanity could evolve into this state of enlightenment. And we go back 12,000 years, time of Thoth, time of others, Arkenhaden. These people really understood this. And it, I believe truly that when Moses went to pick up the Ten Commandments, this was the Emerald Tablet. And that when the people had not, did not, had burnt or melted down the gold and said, hey, we want to follow someone else, that that's why the Emerald Tablet got smashed because the message was the people weren't ready for this wisdom. So I think that what I want to say is this is not something that's in a chemistry laboratory or only for philosophers. This is literally built into our psyche. It's literally, aha, these are the stages. And I could put the same stages that I've just talked about of the moon into the emerald tablet. There's a time of growing, there's a time of becoming full, and there's a time of dissolving and coming back into the oneness again. And that's the journey, again, of the Emerald Tablet, or of the alchemy itself. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, okay, so um, in your book... Um, uh, heart of the Mother, Heart of the Great Mother, um, you also describe a journey toward immortality, um, but you talk about it as uh, one that spirals through the 12 astrological signs. Um, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Love to, and, and it ties in very much with what I've said. So uh, I personally run women's spiral groups rather than women's circle groups because I think sometimes in a circle we can just keep going around in a circle. So what I want to say is how important it is for us to recognize that every time we spiral through something, we, in, we become stronger. And the journey, our journey is not to just what, to get to the end, it's to grow. So what I'm, I, I maybe I'm just coming a little bit off my mark, but here's what I want to say is every one of us, and this might be difficult to hear, every one of us is a mighty spiritual human being 
loved, greatly loved by the great mother or the goddess, whatever you want to call her. And we designed our lives in order to become immortal, whole, to know ourselves. Some of us have had maybe much more than even me, horrendous lives. And that doesn't mean, therefore, I'm saying you're to blame for what you created or what you've experienced. But every event we ever go through has a gem of wisdom, something we can take from it to make ourselves stronger. And to me, that's the phase of the, the crone. That's the most difficult phase because sometimes when something's difficult, all we want to do is to get it over and done with and we never want to look at it again. Or we want to send it forgiveness. If you understand that as a mighty being, I understand as a mighty being, nothing I ever created was wasted. It all belongs to the Great Mother. The greatest gift that any of us can do is say, what did I get learn from that event? Why did I create it? How did I become stronger? And when we do that, we bring that, those gems of wisdom, that part of ourselves into our heart. And that then says, I accept this as part of me. And if I just complete on that, when I meet a part of myself that maybe got lost in one of those experiences, I have a great inner prostitute. You know, I'll prostitute myself for love. Just love me. Just love me. I don't care. When I bring that inner prostitute into my heart and say, I accept you as part of me, I stop any more events needing to happen that engage that inner prostitute. So sometimes things repeat themselves until we see what part am I playing and can I accept into my heart that part of me that was involved in that. That's all we're trying to do. That strengthens our heart. That strengthens our journey. Well, and and um, and, and maybe if I uh, tell me if if what you just said, if if I'm hearing correctly, using my words, I think you also just said that these things that we bring to ourselves, um, or the or or the challenges that we face in life, not that necessarily we bring them upon ourselves, but these lessons, these challenges that come to us, they're lessons that um, help strengthen us uh, to become that empowered woman that uh, so many of us are striving for. So rather than seeing that lesson as something, like you said, that needs forgiveness or we want to shove in back of our mind and get past uh, as quickly as possible, see what we need to learn from that to um, sort of evolve us to the next place we need to be is would that is that another way of of saying it i guess that's a brilliant way of saying it karen and it's it really is not about blame it's not about guilt it's about sometimes it's and i want to say you know that we often use the word lesson and i do i'll use the word of what am i learning but what am i learning about myself that it's not done to me, it's me saying, I will never let that happen to me again. And we make a commitment. Or yeah. sometimes we're, someone pushes us and pushes us, and we, we, oh, I'm such a nice person, I never want to get angry, or I, I don't want to have, and then one day you go, enough! 
and the universe goes, yay! Because it's not about fear, it's not about angry, it's about where do you respect, where do we not respect ourselves, where do we not honor ourselves, where do we not allow the fullness of who we are to be seen, and it's exactly what you're saying, Karen. You know, um, this this conversation with you is such perfect timing for me, Christine. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me sometimes. You know, I don't have a pattern necessarily, at least that, that I'm conscious of, in terms of, you know, when I book a guest on the show. But I have to say so much of what you're saying uh, just uh, it, it applies to my own life so much right now. I mean, I'm in the process of thinking about, uh, you know, do I have it in me right now to write another book? And the book I feel like is so important to get out there is about how we normalize abuse and exploitation rather than set healthy boundaries that we don't even realize um, some of what we accept in our life, uh, we don't even see it as abuse or exploitation. We turn such a blind eye to it. And that's sort of, I, I mean, and I feel like that's uh, maybe something we need to learn, you know, to help move us into the next phase. And it feels like that falls perfectly in alignment with what you've just said, perhaps. Oh, I, I totally agree. A great book, by the way. And again, as a doctor, someone who's worked around the world, with women especially, um, guiding, we all know, you'll say, how much abuse, and it doesn't have to be sexual or physical, how much emotional abuse will you take until you say no? And then we say, oh, well, you know, he does love me, I probably cause, you know, all the stories. And we're not... If, if we, and I've done the same, made excuses, given them a reason for why I need, they needed to say that to me, if we as intelligent people who basically have a choice, the poor people who have no choice, the poor women and children who have no choice, we have to change for them. Because it's only when we start to say enough and we, we come together as women. Women are stronger together. And my vision is that women would stand outside a home where there's abuse and not accuse, but say, we see what you're doing. Because that's the role of the crone. The crone sees beyond the masks. And we reach a certain age maybe, or we reach a certain stage of strength and we go, no more will that happen. You will not allow any other child or sister or brother be hurt by someone else. Well, and you know, I think another thing we often say, um, because we don't want to deal with it, is we say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. You know, because I'm thinking beyond even the personal relationship. I'm thinking about what we accept as as workers, what we accept from the government, what we accept, uh, you know, the abuse or exploitation from religions, academia. I'm thinking about all of our institutions that dole out um, abuse, exploitation, uh, uh, disinformation, um, because it somehow benefits the status quo, if you will, and and we just go, well, that's just the way it is. We can't change that. Um, you know, that's that's another part of this for me as well. You know, beyond the the interpersonal relationships, if you will. 
I agree, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter how small or big this issue is in terms of uh, it is, as you say, the institutionalization, don't rock the boat, don't upset others. We've all put up with this for long. Why are you any different? And it is about feeling that strength to say, again, this is crone energy. This may have continued to happen all these years, but it has to stop now. And it doesn't matter right, if you're dealing right. with in your home or in a government, but it's, it's as you say, it's institutionalized because everybody has said as, almost like as long as it's not happening to me, then it's okay, or it happened to me, therefore it's okay. It's never okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just talking to a woman yesterday uh, because I didn't want my husband to have to go out for a doctor's appointment because, you know, we're going through all of this trouble to self-isolate. And I said, well, why would I send him into a hospital setting for uh, a non-essential doctor's appointment? Um, I, I said, that just doesn't make sense to me. And she said, well, you know, I'm here and I have a liver disease and Um, I'm at risk, but I'm still here. And my thoughts, you know, I wanted to say, honey, you ought to be home. (laughs) You know, just because you're maybe not showing the best judgment um, doesn't mean I don't want to show better judgment. And, 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 you know, and look, you could say, well, she's a healthcare worker. Let's applaud her. I totally get that, too. But it's what you, going back to what you just said, because I'm putting up with it, you should put up with it too. And I think we do that an awful lot. Oh, I I agree. Uh, This has been an interesting journey for me because I am, as I say, I've been a healthcare worker for a long time. I've gone to work with a cold and and everybody said, bravo, you know, the martyr, well done. And, and, and everybody just said, well, you need to be here. So my ego got caught up in the, wow, you need me even though I've got a cold. And recently, you know, because of the travel restrictions, I've said to people, look, I'm not traveling. And they've said, well, we're really disappointed that you're, you know, doing this. And it was like, what? It was like, can you not see beyond your own disappointment? that you do not want me in your house <laughs> if, if, if I in any way could bring an infection into your house. It was so interesting about how it's about me or about how I live my life. You know, how, well, this is what I would do rather than the collective. And uh, it's brought well, up and to me I think- how I need to be more, you know, how I have martyred myself for too long, not always for the best of my, my clients. Well, and, and two things about that. Um, you know, one of the, part of this, you know, shtick I'm on right now about the, you know, we normalize abuse and exploitation is I think at the root of it is we have been brainwashed from the very beginning that sacrifice um, is noble. I mean, I grew yep. up a Catholic, and, we, and what do we see? Jesus on the cross. Suffering and sacrifice is noble. I think that's what we've been told rather than set healthy boundaries. Be smart. You know what I mean? It's not to say you shouldn't give of yourself. I'm not saying that at all. It's not about being selfish. Um, but I think, you know, it's kind of gone too far, and that's what – you know, puts us in this vulnerable state 
of normalizing abuse and accepting things that we shouldn't accept as normal. At least that makes sense to me. Oh, it makes great sense to me. I see it in so many women. I'm not saying men don't do it, but it is seen as a mother's role or a woman's role is to sacrifice yourself for the family. And it isn't necessarily what men will do. Men are much more focused. Women get distracted into how is this going to affect other people. Let me make sure that everybody else is okay before I follow my own path. So I'm in total agreement. Okay, well, let's, let's go on because we're starting to run out of time. Um, let's, I want to talk about the magician's wand. Um, what is that, and how can we use it um, in this, you know, overall conversation we've had today? Thank you. So there's two, role, two parts of the future that we're moving into. One is to have the doorway which is what I'm describing with the more pieces of yourself you bring to your heart, the more you give yourself forgiveness, let's put it that way, but the more you say, I accept myself as, as this part of me, or I accept what I did, we build a stronger doorway. But to be able to open that door, you need either to bang on the door with your magician's wand or use it as a key. And that key is or that magician's wand is built through our chakra system. And that chakra system is starts beneath our feet and goes above our head. And it is literally the energy that flows up and down our spine through the chakras. Now, without getting lost in any of that, what I describe in the book is that there are 12 stages to build that chakra system or 12 stages to build our strong wand. And it literally moves between the masculine and feminine qualities of the astrology. But key to it is what did, it's really the, the, the journey of creativity. What did I create? What did I celebrate? What did I, gems of wisdom did I take? And what am I letting go of? And when we go through that cycle over and over again, we literally create a strong magician's wand that says, I am ready to create something and I'm ready to dissolve something. And I'm not wanting to get too lost, but that's the role of the virgin and the crone working together. The virgin creates, the, the crone destroys. It's what happens with the moon every month. And all we have to do is to say... I make it happen, and then I make it not happen. And then I take the gems from it, and I let it dissolve. Well, and, you know, you're making me think about the whole cycle of the goddess. You know, she is from womb to tomb. And, um, you know, they say, scholars say that that's one of the reasons uh, patriarchy uh, sprung up, because people wanted to deny that cycle, you know. And it also makes me think about Kali, you know, the great destroyer. Um, I've thought about a, a lot about Kali. I mean, I've been an ISIS person most of my life, but, you know, with the changes that has happened in my own life recently, uh, major changes, I've thought a lot about Kali and this destruction creation cycle because it's often that things need to um, disintegrate, fall apart, collapse, so something better 
uh, can take its place. I mean, I think about Pele, uh, the volcano goddess. You know, the volcanic ash destroys, but then growth comes from it, you know. Uh, even winter, you know, the bare tree, uh, you know, blossoms into leaves in the spring. You know, all of these different metaphors or, or goddesses, uh, I think, also speak to this um, this idea you're, you're, you're maybe talking about as well. Yes? Perfect. I mean, they're all crones, so this is wonderful. This is just the description of the crone. And I know I kind of come back to my three dark moon days or the first day of the period. What the patriarchy, I believe, was terrified about is that on the first day of your period, on the first day of the dark moon, what if you let go of everything in the external world, all your identities? No, you don't physically let go of them, but you go within and you say, I exist much more within the ocean of possibilities of the Great Mother than I do in my external world. I, I die to anything in the external world to be reborn and reconnected to the, the greatness of creativity that the Great Mother. Then on the third day, you, you birth something from that place. I think the patriarchy was scared that if women die every month, how could they ever threaten them? And so what I would encourage everybody, not to die, but to literally say, I am not the, my identity in the outer world. I am myself and much more. Well, and, and that's also reminded me, Christine, of the idea of um, uh, the red tent, you know, uh, yeah. that, uh, that book that came out. And uh, because we, we believe that, you know, uh, women in a tribe used to maybe bleed at the same time and they would sort of self-isolate themselves, uh, yeah. if you will, and pull themselves out of everyday mundane life and maybe prophesize for the tribe or just take care of themselves um, so that they could do a better job taking care of the tribe. And, um, you know, I, I think this is, uh, this is a, you know, uh, that was maybe when we were still connected to a part of this, which patriarchy uh, has caused us to release. I mean, uh, patriarchy now even wants to say, here, take a pill, get rid of your sacred blood. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying it's a conscious effort to uh, help women destroy that, um, the link to that powerful uh, or empowered self, but uh, but that's the consequence anyway, if you will, disconnecting from the sacred blood and all that maybe, um, you know, richness and potency that it brings to our life, all the different layers we can learn from it. Uh, absolutely. And recognizing that if you see the blood as, as fluid, water, it would be the same as prior to, uh, there was always a water by the time where people were having their moon time, their period. And so going into water, into your blood, is not about cleansing because you're unclean, but what it's doing is washing away any boundaries between you and the Great Mother's love. It's literally saying, wash me away so I re reconnect. Wash away any separation. Because women are not separate from this, from this eternal, immortal, creative energy. And when we wash ourselves down, when we have a period, we are literally saying, I'm back home again. Mm, lovely, lovely. I love that metaphor. 
Um, well, Christine, uh, I think we're kind of at the uh, at the end here. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, anything else in your book you wanted to share with listeners uh, before we um, have to part ways today? I thank you so much for your work and for what you've offered. And uh, it's just been such a rich experience for me to be on your show. I want to. I want everybody, including myself, to remember we are much loved. This is not something happening to us because we've done something wrong or because the Mother Earth is unhappy with us. What's happening now is helping us to cleanse from those things that no longer work for us or literally are drowning us. It's a time to let go and to trust the love that surrounds you. Well said. Well said. I I couldn't say more. Um, well, yeah. Well, maybe just one thing. You know, I think right now we're prone to maybe go to this fearful place, and um, I, I think that's the last thing we really need to do. I think we just need to look at all of this as necessary steps in the evolutionary journey, and it is all going to be okay on the other side. It might look different. But you know what? That's okay, too. We are going to be okay and better off on the other side of all of this. We just have to, we just have to know that and act, act that, you know? Bless you, and I, I totally agree. It's going to be different. Just I will say it's not going to be the same again. But who would want the same again? So we are calling this well in. Said. We want change. So things will change. Go with it. You're not going to be alone in this, and there is a plan. Well said. Okay, so this has been the wisdom of Christine Page and uh, her new book, Heart of the Great Mother. Um, she's uh, also the author of nine other books, including Frontiers of Health. Uh, she's a mystical physician, and uh, she's been a pioneer in the field of health care for over 40 years, uh, mostly working with women. Uh, she's an international speaker, gifted intuitive, and uh, a bridge builder between different modalities of well-being and states of consciousness. Christine, thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom today with listeners. I think it was uh, so relevant for today. I mean, it was just perfect. Thank you very much. Pleasure is mine, and thank you so much for both inviting me and for, for your wonderful audience for inviting me into your homes and your life. Okay, be well, and um, uh, please let me know if anything else comes up in the future uh, that you know, you'd like to chat about and share with listeners, okay? The door is always open. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, well, thank you, listeners, for your uh, attention today. And I just want to let you know next Wednesday I will have with me uh, calling in again Amanda Scott. Uh, she was uh, with me maybe a month or so ago, uh, it seems like three, four weeks ago. We talked about Boudicca and Joan of Arc. Uh, well, she's calling in again from the U.K. Uh, on a different topic uh, because she's not just an author and researcher. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Conscious evolution, the time is now. Uh, it feels like to me uh, this is going to tie in to maybe what we've said today, and it's another one of those examples, I think, of uh, you know the lineup of guests uh, or showing up just when we need them to be um, you know relevant to the you know what's going on out there in the world. So. 
uh, as always, uh, I invite you to go to my show page here on Blog Talk. Click the follow button uh, so you get a reminder in your email inbox uh, each week of the show that's going to be happening, uh, the topic, and the guest. Uh, I'd also like to invite you to my website, KarenTate.net. Uh, when you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter called uh, Dancing at the Edges. You can find out about the talks I give. Um, you can uh, learn more about this radio show if you happen to go there rather than uh, my show page. You can also find out about all of my books. Um, I know times are tight right now, but if you are one of the lucky ones with discretionary income, uh, if you can uh, send any donations or contributions my way, um, I would certainly appreciate it. Uh, if the show has been a spring that feeds you, uh, your support to help me keep this show on the air uh, is much appreciated. Okay, uh, that about does it. Uh, remember, dear listeners, please don't live in fear over what's happening. I know that... Uh, uh, it's hard not to right now, uh, but really this is the change we have all been waiting for. We didn't know what it was going to look like, but this is part of it, okay? We couldn't have predicted this was going to be part of it, but in her wisdom, uh, I truly believe uh, she is shifting things in the world so that we can come out the, the other end in a much better place. All right, um, that's it for me for today. Uh, I will be back with you next Wednesday. Have a wonderful week. Uh, enjoy the time at home with your family or friends or projects. Uh, and remember, the glass is half full, not half empty. Bye-bye. <laughs>